just a reminder, here at That's So Chronic, we are dedicated to sharing personal stories. We are not advocating any type of treatment, therapy, procedure or intervention. Everyone is unique, so please seek professional medical advice before making any decisions for yourself or for others. Welcome to That's So Chronic, the podcast where I, Jess Bryan, interview some incredible people from around the world that are thriving and sometimes only just surviving with chronic illnesses, life-changing injuries and potentially disastrous diagnoses. Today I'm talking to Chelsea Bruce, who you might recognise as Chelsea the Celiac over on Instagram, all about her diagnosis of Hashimoto's thyroiditis and celiac disease. In this episode, Chelsea talks about being diagnosed with Hashimoto's when she was just nine years old, the importance of having doctors and specialists that you connect with, what happened when celiac disease entered her life, and her thoughts around being a mum with autoimmune diseases. Chelsea and I connected originally through Instagram, so it was really lovely getting to chat to her and learn more about her life. Welcome to That's So Chronic. I'm so excited to learn more about you and about everything we're going to talk about today because we connected on Instagram. So everything that you've been posting and from your website is all that I know about you. So I'm really excited to connect. Well, um, I'm so glad that you are having me on your podcast. I have been following you on Instagram for a while and I really um, love all of your posts and the conversations that you've been having with uh, other people in the autoimmune community. And so I'm really excited to be here. So you are a second grade teacher. You're also a mum. And if people can't tell by your accent, you are joining us through the power of the internet (laughs) from Arizona in the USA today. Yes. Yep. Arizona, uh, specifically Tucson, Arizona, which is mm-hmm. um, about an hour and a half from the uh, United States-Mexico border. When you were telling me this on messages, I was like, oh, it must be so warm there. I'm so <laughs> jealous. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, been inching up to 90 degrees Fahrenheit. I don't actually know what that would be Celsius. Neither, but it sounds hot. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. And it's only going to get hotter from here. When you were nine years old, Mm -hmm. you were diagnosed with Hashimoto's disease. Yes. Or Hashimoto's thyroiditis. Yes. And when you were 20, you were diagnosed with celiac disease. Yes. (laughs) So where do we start? Should we go all the way back to the beginning? Sure. And you're nine years old and suddenly... You're being diagnosed with this thing. How did that all eventuate? Yeah, so I would get strep throat a a lot. Mm -hmm. And it was really noticeable then, but it's, I mean, it's just noticeable in general. But when my throat would be further inflamed by strep, it would, it looked like a a big bubble Uh, on, yeah, on the front of my neck. And so... My mom had the school nurse watch out for that, and the second it, like, looked irritated, took me to my pediatrician, and there were, you know, concerns that it was, uh, like, a a cancer, um, Mm -hmm. that was a tumor, and then through testing, they found out that it was Hashimoto's, which, you know, is better than 
being diagnosed with cancer, I yes, think. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. But uh, it was definitely challenging to be nine and have an autoimmune disease. And honestly, we didn't know much about it. And I don't think my pediatrician knew much about it because I didn't see an endocrinologist, who, which is someone who specializes in thyroid care until I was 19. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so I should have been seeing an endocrinologist that like entire 10 years. Um, and I think that really would have helped. But yeah, it was definitely an interesting situation. Although not a huge surprise, my all the women on my mom's side of the family have um, some form of thyroid disease okay, going on. Yeah. And so the only thing was that I didn't have to be on medication for it, which was nice. Amazing. So <laughs> for those of us listening at home that might not know what Hashimoto's is or has never even heard of a thyroid condition before, would you be able to explain what Hashimoto's is and how you would describe it to somebody who didn't know? So Hashimoto's is thyroid autoimmune disease and it is caused by your body, your immune um, system attacking your thyroid. And it, one of the indicators of it can be a, a goiter. And so just an enlarged thyroid for reference, mine is like two and a half times the size than it should be. Oh, wow. And people's thyroids are not always that big. And Mm -hmm. then some people with Hashimoto's have thyroids that are even larger. Right. So, you know, everyone has their individual battle with it. But it often leads to hypothyroidism. I don't have hypothyroidism. My thyroid has always functioned perfectly, but it will likely eventually go there it just kind of depends and it's so there are other thyroid diseases like graves disease which is essentially the opposite it leads to hyperthyroidism right but can also you can also have a goiter and there are some things that um the two autoimmune diseases have in common but also a lot of things that are very different between the two of them yeah but it's one of the most uh common autoimmune diseases and it's very common in women okay um so far more women get it than men yeah and uh it some other common symptoms would be anxiety uh which I struggled with uh my entire life like I can remember my first panic attack at four yeah and depression which I luckily have not struggled with weight gain and uh extreme difficulty losing weight Right, okay. And that kind of goes hand in hand with the hypothyroidism. Mm -hmm. And then fatigue, joint pain, and then obviously any autoimmune disease um, increases your chance of developing another autoimmune disease. Yes. So when you were diagnosed at nine, and I am assuming that you had the support of your mum because she was there with you going to see these GPs. And I'm wondering if anyone was able to explain what this meant for the future for you. I, you didn't have to start any medication, but was there discussion about the fact that possibly you would have to in the future or these other side effects might happen? It was vaguely dis- um, discussed with me that because I also have nodules on my thyroid, I could potentially develop thyroid cancer. And oh, wow. so I was monitored every year 
with an ultrasound and blood work by my pediatrician. Uh, So he was on top of that. And then he did explain that it was common to develop hypothyroidism Mm -hmm. as a result of the disease. And again, I haven't developed that issue, which is good, um, and haven't ever needed medication. But I think something that we didn't really discuss is all the all the other symptoms that I was feeling you know that was never I didn't know that that was related to my Hashimoto's until uh, the second endocrinologist that I started seeing the first endocrinologist didn't even really explain that and so I think it would have been a lot easier through my teenhood if I had more information to understand why my body felt the way that it did. Yeah, I can imagine that all of these things are just happening. And when you're a teenager, you don't actually join the dots and know yeah. that this means this, if no one's like spelt it out to you. Mm-hmm. When did you see the first endocrinologist? When I was 19. Okay. Yeah. And how did that eventuate? Were you referred to them? Yeah, so I was referred by... So after I stopped seeing my pediatrician, we stopped seeing them at 18... Um, I went to just another primary care doctor for adults and she was a little nutty and said that my (laughs) pediatrician wasn't treating it correctly. And it's not that she was wrong, but she really freaked me out and basically said that I likely had thyroid cancer (gasps) and all these issues. And so she wasn't great with the bedside manner, but a positive (laughs) that she did do was she referred me to my endocrinologist and then after that, I didn't see that uh, primary care doctor. I yeah. <laughs> um, so, and I was with that endocrinologist for a few years and I really liked her. She did biopsies on my nodules to monitor that, but I did switch after I was experiencing a lot of fatigue and exhaustion. And she just was kind of like, I mean, you have Hashimoto's, what what do you expect? I mean, we could just Uh. remove your thyroid and put you on medication. And then maybe that would and that just felt really extreme to remove a thyroid that is still currently functioning um, the way it's supposed to. And so I switched endocrinologists after that. Yeah. So the thyroid from my research, it helps distribute hormones to help the body function. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. And it really is an integral part of our bodies. And when it is off, it causes a lot of issues like fatigue issues. It is linked to infertility or miscarriage. Okay. So the repercussions of a thyroid disorder that has gone unchecked um, Mm -hmm. can be pretty catastrophic. When they do the test to diagnose for Hashimoto's, what does that look like? It's just a a blood test and then an ultrasound to see if you have the enlarged. Yeah, it's a lot less invasive than some other tests for autoimmune disease confirmation. Yeah, so just uh, specifically the test for two thyroid antibodies and then the TSH, which is basically how well is your, I guess, thyroid functioning. And Mm -hmm. then there are two other T4 and T3 that are also tested. And that's really specific to determining if you are hypo or hyperthyroid, do you need medication, that type of stuff. Okay. And the TPO and antithyroid globulin, 
globulin would be what they look for to indicate Hashimoto's. Just a side note about the globulins. Whenever I see that being tested on blood work, I always just think of goblins and I can't (laughs) say it properly now to my doctors because I'm like, how are my goblins going? (laughs) Oh no, that might be my new thing. Yeah. I I always have to like stop myself and say it really slowly and yeah. I still don't know if I'm saying it correctly. So. Yeah. <laughs> Attack the words with confidence. That's what I've been having to learn to do during this podcast with a lot of big words. So when did you then see your second endocrinologist and how does that how can you just see a second one over where you live? I so what I could do is I could ask my primary care doctor for a referral to someone new. Okay. But what actually happened when I was around 23, my it, the first endocrinologist I was seeing left the practice and went to a new practice and they got a new endocrinologist at at her old practice and it was you could go to her old the new endocrinologist or you could follow her. Mm-hmm. And I did I actually followed her because I still needed a biopsy done. And then it just, my the appointment that I had with her, it just didn't, there was something off. And so from there, it was just really easy to see the woman who took her place at the old yeah. practice. So I kind of lucked into that because I've been with her for the last seven or so years and I love her. Oh, great. Um, And she figured out that the fatigue and exhaustion was a severe vitamin D deficiency. Right. It's great because the other one was like, we could just remove your thyroid. Yeah. So (laughs) it was really nice um, to find out that it was as simple as supplementing with vitamin D, getting a little more sunlight, and um, just monitoring those levels. And so then you're 20. This going back in time now, you're yeah. <laughs> 20 years old. And what inspired you to start investigating celiac disease? I read on your website, which is chelseatheceliac.com, if anybody at home wants to go and have a read. I was reading that it took over a year to be yes. diagnosed or even just to get the test for celiac disease. How did what tell us everything? What happened there? So I think from reading other people like on Instagram or their blogs who have celiac disease I think a year is nice because a lot of people it takes like seven to ten years yeah and I think that's because although I do think it's getting better in the medical field I think a lot of doctors especially primary care doctors don't know what the heck celiac disease is what it entails for diagnosing and so yeah when I was around 19 I got very sick I couldn't keep any weight on Um, I was just perpetually tired my parents were very concerned that I was going to have a heart attack because of where my health was going it was quite the process I was like interrogated by my doctor to see if I was suffering from anorexia nervosa and I do understand that with the like steep you know weight loss and everything and then tested for pretty much everything under the sun Addison's disease rheumatoid arthritis lupus all these different things and 
they wouldn't test me for celiac disease. Wow. And that was really frustrating because there's over 300 symptoms of celiac disease. And it just kind of was like, well, you don't fit all of these symptoms, except that I I did. I fit a lot of them. Yeah. <laughs> Especially like the digestive issues. And my mom had read in a magazine that about celiac disease and how more people were being diagnosed with it because research was, you know, going further and people were understanding, you know, how to diagnose and whatnot. And she was like, oh, yeah, my dad has that. She wasn't raised by her biological dad. And so they, she was raised by her stepfather. And so she just kind of remembered, oh, yeah, like my stepmom called me when you were like nine years old to let us know that he had celiac disease and that it was genetic in case we ever had any of these symptoms. And she's like, and guess what? Like you have these yeah. symptoms. And But she just, I mean, that had been 10 years before. And so she didn't think about it until she read the yeah. article. And then she was like, this is it. And so I had to beg my doctor to test me. They didn't. And so I went gluten-free because I was like, I mean, this. I have the genetic predisposition. I yeah. had, you know, a, autoimmune diseases are often triggered by a traumatic physical or emotional event. And I had lost my grandmother that year. And so I was like, that could have easily triggered that. And so I went gluten-free and I felt significantly better. Right, yeah. And I wasn't <laughs> sleeping, you know, like 20 hours a day. And I started, you know, gaining weight. So that I was at a healthier weight. And then my doctor finally agreed to test me. And everything came back negative because for at that point, like six months, I'd been gluten free. Yeah. And you have to have gluten in your system. And he just was kind of like, well, but if you feel better, you know, I guess continue being gluten free. So then I ended up switching doctor. Yep. Excellent. Love that. <laughs> And she was, when she was going over everything, she was like, oh, you didn't do the gluten. You have to have like the gluten challenge. You have to have it in your system for a while. So then I did the gluten challenge, um, which was both terrible and wonderful because I could eat some foods that I had been missing, but also felt terrible. And how long did you have to eat gluten for? Three weeks. Okay. And so I did that and the celiac test came back positive. And ever since then, I've been fully gluten free. I do, I would have stayed gluten-free if I hadn't have done the gluten challenge, but I do find peace of mind having that confirmation. Yeah. And I know not everyone, I've known people who, you know, have textbook symptoms and they go gluten-free and then they, they're just not comfortable doing the gluten challenge and that's understandable. Yeah. But for me, uh, I'm a little type A and I needed that. Solidified. Yeah. And because I think knowledge is power, right? So when you yes. know that you definitely have this thing, you're not going to be cheating, tempted or swayed to cheat <laughs> and to have gluten. Was there much support when you were then diagnosed with celiac? Did they then go, here's all of this information? Or was it a bit like, okay, cool, yeah. you're on your own now? It was a uh, try to stick to a gluten-free diet. Which like that I like reflect on that and I'm like try to stick to a yeah try diet. like really like the only treatment but okay and so no I don't think there was a lot of support and you know even though I had someone I'm genetically related to who 
had celiac disease. I didn't ever have a relationship with him. So it wasn't like I could like call him up and be like, hey, grandpa, that sounds weird. Hey, Max. Yeah. Like, how do you, you know, live with celiac disease? So I didn't really, I, yeah, I would say that I was very much so on my own and did a lot of research. I wish that I would have worked with a dietitian at that point, but I was a college student. Yeah. And so I really didn't have the finances for it. But I mean, 10 years later, you know, everything is fine. But yeah, I would say that they're really, I didn't have any support, but I think it was just the position that I was in. And, you know, some people are diagnosed and they have a ton of support and that's great. And I think support over the past 10 years has gotten significantly better for patients who are being Mm -hmm. diagnosed. And especially if you check out at Chelsea the Celiac (laughs) on Instagram, your Instagram is so educational on Hashimoto's and celiac and also just autoimmune diseases in general and on your website I saw that people can also have a free one-on-one zoom call with you yes after they've been diagnosed with celiac just to help guide them in the right direction and to offer some support and I think that is so cool and so amazing that you are doing that Thank you so much. Yeah, um, celiac or Hashimoto's or I mean, honestly, just autoimmunity in general. Those are the two autoimmune diseases that I have. But my dad and all three of his siblings also have different autoimmune diseases. And so my dad has rheumatoid arthritis. His sister has lupus. His brother has rheumatoid arthritis. And his brother who has passed, he had ankylosing spinulitis. And so autoimmunity is very happening in my yeah <laughs> um which has led to a lot of research because it is hard to watch people that you love you know have those challenges with autoimmunity and i think for me celiac and hashimotos has been really rough but i think i also see that there are autoimmune diseases that can cause more challenges mm-hmm. and so i've been i've kind of dived into, you know, how can we make these situations easier um, for me, for my dad. So yeah, uh, amazing. Anyways, (laughs) open to all discussions. Speaking of family and the history of autoimmune in your family, does that make you worried or nervous for your son? Yes. And, you know, to be honest, at one point, My husband and I even considered not having biological children. Mm -hmm. And uh, with both celiac and Hashimoto's, uh, there is a link to infertility. And so there was a a concern brought up by my doctors that, you know, this could be, it could be challenging to conceive or go through a healthy pregnancy. And although I didn't have any challenges with conceiving, I did have two miscarriages before um, having my son and I uh, being pregnant with my son. Um, and that's very common Okay, in, in general. So, I mean, one in four to one in five, depending on what research you're looking at, women, you know, go through a miscarriage. But the statistics are higher in those with thyroid disease. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't surprised. But we did, we did eventually, obviously, we eventually decided to have biological children, yeah. <laughs> but we're also still open to adoption or fostering. 
I, I am concerned about my son's genetic predisposition to an array of autoimmune diseases. But I also know as someone with multiple autoimmune diseases, you can live a full life yeah. with within autoimmunity. And so I think either way, he is going to be fine. Yeah. Do they think yeah. that the celiac disease is tied to the Hashimoto's? Yeah. So it's very interesting, but... Uh, it's very common to have both. Oh, okay. Or to have celiac and Graves' disease. So mm-hmm. thyroid disease and celiac disease often go hand in hand. Wow. Um, and celiac disease and type 1 diabetes also often oh. go hand in hand. So it's pretty common to, at some point, be diagnosed with both of them. Mm-hmm. And I've actually, I just had this conversation with my naturopath about, like, my my mom has this theory that because she had unchecked hypothyroid when she was pregnant with me, that that is why I have autoimmune issues and food allergies. And my sister, who she, my mom, it, my sister is younger and my mom was on medication then, doesn't have any of these issues. Oh. Um, and so I was talking to my naturopath about that, about my mom's theory. And she was like, actually, you know, it could have that could be accurate that could be why you have been more susceptible than your sister but we're talking about being diagnosed with Hashimoto's as a child which is yeah rare and it was like well did you have unchecked celiac disease Mm. that entire time did so did the celiac disease that hadn't been diagnosed cause the Hashimoto's or did having Hashimoto's at a young age cause the celiac disease so, I mean, I think there's a lot of research that can still be done on why the two are connected, but they are very connected. Yeah. Wow. Did going completely gluten-free, did that solve all of the problems and the symptoms that you were having to that inspired you to go to the doctor to talk about it? So, no, it helped significantly, but I... I mean, it's 10 years later, still struggle with nutrient deficiencies. Okay. And so I, like I'm monitored for a vitamin D deficiency that there have been times in the last few years where I've been within normal or optimal levels. And then like now I am deficient again. And so that, that's frustrating because like yeah. I am, I supplement and I really work hard on my diet and then I struggle with anemia off and on as well. And so that was one of the biggest things when I was first diagnosed was I was anemic. And I we worked hard to fix that. And then I wasn't anemic for like eight years. Yeah. And I am anemic again. <sighs> and so I think a lot of people think, you know, the only – Thing that needs to change in someone with celiac disease's life is going to a gluten-free diet and that is the biggest thing but there can be other issues and it's common to have nutrient and vitamin deficiencies because um, it damages you know the small intestine and you're not able to absorb those nutrients for however long the disease had been active prior to being diagnosed and so you know, a lot of people with celiac disease do struggle with vitamin or nutrient deficiencies. I don't know if they struggle 
with it 10 years into their treatment like yeah. I have. <laughs> um, I hope not everyone does, but it is common to, you know, you feel so much better on a gluten-free diet and you do start absorbing nutrients, but you should definitely have your doctors check into some common deficiencies that those with celiac have. You mentioned on your website the importance of having a really good team of professionals around you. Who do you have in your life that helps support you navigating this life with autoimmune diseases? So I have my primary care doctor who is wonderful and she's very on top of uh, everything referring to whatever I need and many of my family members and friends now see her because I just like yeah. can't you know <laughs> sing her praises enough and then my endocrinologist who I also love and anyone who needs an endocrinologist I'm always referring them to her yeah <laughs> my gastroenterologist although to be honest I really work more with my endocrinologist um, even with my celiac and okay. I know that's not typical but I just trust her more and I feel like she listens to me more I'm actually in the process of switching gastro doctors because an endocrinologist also does like diabetes and things like that as mm-hmm. well yeah so I guess yeah. if it is all yeah. somewhat connected it makes sense that they would yeah. have some knowledge on it yeah and I think yeah she just also listens better and I just feel safer with her. But I hope to find a gastro doctor that, you know, I like it just as much. Yeah. <laughs> and then my I started seeing a naturopath in December. And I really, really like her. She specializes in thyroid disease. She has a lot of knowledge with celiac disease as well. And so that's been a game changer for me recently. Are there any sort of foods or a diet that you should be on for the thyroid disease? Yeah. So they, a a lot of research points to a gluten-free and dairy-free diet. Well, that's handy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I know. Uh, That's what my dad said uh, when we were talking about, you know, having Hashimoto's and he was like, what's a good thing that you're already on a gluten-free diet because, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, like celiac and Hashimoto's, they both do well with that. And there's actually a lot of research that kind of indicates that autoimmunity in general does well on a gluten-free and dairy-free diet. But I'm also a huge believer in don't cut things out without your doctor or preferably like a dietitian. Yeah. Like, don't take my word for it. Don't take the internet's word for it. Talk to a medical (laughs) professional about it. But yes, so I have obviously been gluten-free for 10 years. I just went dairy-free per my naturopath's recommendation. And I've noticed a significant improvement in my skin. Okay. um, And energy. So that, and, and that's common with Hashimoto specifically is they recommend a gluten-free and dairy-free mm-hmm. diet. Sometimes I've also read soy-free, but I, oh. I haven't seen that in research as much as gluten and dairy-free. Yeah. Moving forward, living this life with Hashimoto's and celiac, have you developed any tips or tricks to help make life a little bit more manageable with the symptoms that inevitably come from these diagnoses? I think when you first, specifically with celiac disease, get diagnosed with celiac, you're afraid to eat yeah (laughs) Um, because food's been making you so sick and wheat 
specifically it's like in everything like gluten's in everything but specifically wheat Mm -hmm. um gluten is wheat barley and rye i think that's become pretty common knowledge with gluten-free fad dieting so i think a lot of people know what gluten is but wheat is like in everything yeah and it gets it, it feels really overwhelming like grocery shopping can feel really overwhelming and going out to eat can feel really overwhelming and you kind of feel like falling up a lot of times and just kind of like isolating yourself and my recommendation would be not to do that and yeah. I understand doing that because you want to protect yourself you just found out that you have this autoimmune disease and when it goes unchecked it can cause a lot of issues like cancer and it's been linked to dementia and, you know different really serious health issues but research it yeah <laughs> Um, there's celiac dietitian on Instagram, and she has a lot of great programs that she does via the internet. And so you don't have to be where she is. And research different restaurants. I think what really helped me pull out of that was about a year into my diagnosis, the first gluten-free restaurant here in Tucson opened up. Yay! And uh, <laughs> yes, and then. Like I could eat anything there. And then it just made me interested in finding other places that I could eat. And that's one of my favorite things to do now is like whenever I travel is researching the restaurants that I can eat at. And I'm much more of a foodie than I was prior to being diagnosed. Yeah. And so I think my piece of advice is, you know, don't let it isolate you while also being kind to yourself. Don't push yourself too hard. Um, with any autoimmune diagnosis, but don't let it isolate you and let it be a part of you, right? We kind of want to just put it like in into like a cupboard and be like, it doesn't exist because it's challenging um, and both physically and emotionally, but it's going to be a part of us the rest of our lives, no matter what the diagnosis is. And so don't keep, let it keep you from living your life. Yeah. What started the idea to start talking about this online and to create the blog and to create your Instagram? So I had a lot of friends coming to me and asking me, I I think it specifically started with my friend Daisy, who she got diagnosed with Hashimoto's and it was weird, like like mine, uh, where neither one of us has to be on medication. We don't have hypothyroidism caused by the Hashimoto's but you know doctors often say when you have Hashimoto's it's not a big deal until it turns into hypothyroidism and if you have Hashimoto's without hypothyroidism you know that that is yes because yeah symptoms and um it started with her coming to me and asking all these questions and talking to her about it and she was just so grateful and it caught it like provided her so much ease with her diagnosis and how to continue. And then I just had a lot of friends or like coworkers yeah. coming to me. I've always been open about it in my personal life, but I've never been a big Instagram share my life. Like yeah. my <laughs> private Instagram has less than 200 friends, like very specific about who I would share my life with. And then it just was kind of like, well, it's nice that it's good to see people that I know 
feeling ease going into an autoimmune diagnosis and how to proceed from there based off of, you know, conversations that I had with them. Mm -hmm. And I wonder if there are any other people that need this kind of support or these kinds of conversations. And so that is why I started Chelsea the Celiac. (laughs) And like I said before, it's really educational, everything that you're posting and especially a lot of the infographics as well that people can download and save. I really enjoyed one where it was like, you know, you've just been diagnosed or these are questions to ask your doctor because I think we get so wound up and we don't actually like we freak out and our brain just stops like braining (laughs) and you get so scared of things and you don't know what to say you don't know what to ask and I think talking about this is so beneficial and having these resources on our phones now are so great yeah I I agree and I think it's also it's hard when you go to the doctor, because obviously they're the expert, right? They went to medical school. They worked hard for that degree and to get where they are. But I think one of the things that like the most important thing that I learned in the last 10 years is your doctor doesn't have all the answers and that's okay. Like they're human. Yeah. Um, And (laughs) and doctors have different interests. Like my endocrinologist, she is an endocrinologist who works with diabetes patients and thyroid patients. But her biography says her passion is thyroid care, right? Yeah. And so I'm sure she's a wonderful doctor for those with diabetes because she's just wonderful in general. Mm-hmm. But people have their own individual interests within their career. And so thinking that all of our doctors are going to be experts on our autoimmune issue can be, you know, kind of dangerous and needing to advocate for yourself is important. But many doctors don't see that as like you challenging them. It it's appreciated when you ask them these questions, because again, they can't think of everything. There's a lot of there are a lot of medical things in the world. um, (laughs) And a lot of symptoms and a lot of tests that can be done for certain things. And so I think going into your appointments with some background knowledge is not just helpful to you, but to your doctor. Mm -hmm, Definitely. As well. Thank you so much for sharing so much of your story with me and with That So Chronic today. Thank you. I'm sure that a lot of people have gotten so much out of our chat. (laughs) Yay. Thank you, yes, you, for listening to another episode of That's So Chronic. As always, all important information can be found in the show notes, including where to find Chelsea online and how to reach out to me. Chelsea also joined me on a recent That's So episode, which is out now wherever you get your pods. So if you enjoyed this episode, you might fancy listening to that one as well. As always, thank you so much for your support. If you haven't already, make sure you've pressed follow on Spotify and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. That really helps That So Chronic get into as many ears around the world as possible to hopefully spread awareness and more importantly, hope.